if you care about the people, if you prioritize them, if you take care of them, if you do right by them, if you bring people in and genuinely show concern for what they think, what they feel, and their opinions, then I think you're golden. How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. See, you've got the gift too. That's a skill to be able to look past what's happening right in front of you and extrapolate that and, and make a forecast. So you must be an extremely good judge of character, an extremely good judge of people. Yes, I will say that's the one thing I feel confident in my skill. That's that's a gift. Not everyone has that. And I think if you have that in a partner, you know, romantic partner, business partner, I mean, that's that's everything, Layla. It's like, and it's, I, I can't speak from a woman's pers- perspective, but from a man's point of view, if my partner says that to me, it's like nothing else matters. I can conquer the world. I will, you know, crawl across a mile of glass to get to the desk. I think mean, if you say that to me, it's like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and you know, from that point on, basically, it was six months of we made it work and we were able to pay off the Amex. Mm-hmm. But what happened eventually was, I so I would like manage the back end for everything still because we didn't really have any employees besides salespeople. So it's like all the billing, all the customer service, like all that stuff. I had like different burner phones for every location <laughs> of a gym. And I remember one day, one of the gym locations, like I get a bunch of calls from customers. And this girl called me and she's like, Layla, she's like, I was Jeff just stood up on a chair and said, I need you to go get a refund and, and get the f- out of my gym. Mm. And I was like, what? She's like, hey, just told us all the like charge back and refund. And I was like. Mutiny. Yeah. So then I went, I logged in the bank account and it was just like minus 500 charge back, minus 500 charge. And I was like, oh God. And so I went to Alex and I was like, dude, we can't keep doing this. Yeah. He was like, what is it? And I showed him. We have a mole. Oh, and he was just like, he was, I could just tell he was like, seriously, like after all of this, after all this trying, like yeah. this isn't working. Yeah. And. Went into, I think, full panic mode. And he was like, we need to do something different. And I was like, I don't disagree. Like, if we do more of this, what which what did continue to happen was like, then another guy does the same thing. And what they realize is, oh, I'll tell them to refund and then go go and they can pay me half what they paid you. Yeah, I mean, you identified a vulnerability. Yeah. And someone was exploiting it. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. it continued to get exploited. So what we were worried that was going to happen did. And so mm-hmm. then what was happening was we were just collecting enough from the next month's launches to pay for the refunds from the prior month. Yeah, it's downward spiral. Downward spiral. And so we're like, okay, we can't do any more launches, but we're gonna owe $180,000 in refunds. What the <laughs> do we do to make that much money? <laughs> and Alex, obviously, you know, he's been investing in his marketing skill set this whole time. He's like, I, he's like, I think what we need to do is you become the face of the company. We're going to build a weight loss company. You're gonna be the face because you've lost all this weight. You still have your online clients, right? I was like, yeah. He was like, so we'll just scale that and I will create the funnel and I'll do the marketing in the back end. I'll be like the back end tar- marketing guy and you just be the front end face and you make the, the coaching program. Yeah. And I was like. It makes yeah. me think about how you divide and conquer now. Mm-hmm. So like, is Alex still 
the marketing and advertising? Is he the growth and outreach guy? And if so, then what is Layla's role? I mean, you're the glue that seems to hold it all together, but like you seem to be buttoned up, organized, analytical, being able to vet good ideas or not good ideas. Talk about those strengths. How do you divide those? I think it's taken us a while to get to the point where we are because in the beginning it was like the times that I'm talking to you about, it's actually weird to talk about because, you know, he was two and a half years ahead of me in terms of career wise. He had more skills than I did. So there was, I had less skills than him at that point in time. And I think that as we got into business together, we split what the responsibilities were. And it was first and foremost, Alex handles marketing and Layla handles everything else. And I had a skill deficit at that point because I didn't know how to do anything. And so I had to learn. And then it took me a little bit of time to get to the point where then I think we, we evened out and now we've been able to grow together in those skill sets equally. Mm -hmm. So are you doing as much strategy or are you doing more of it or less of it now? Because the, you know- the Strategy, like for the business? Yeah, so much like more. We're, we're talking about marketing. I mean, before marketing comes the strategy, it's like, what are we going to do, right? Yeah, so in terms of the strategy of the business, Typically, it's, I have a few strategies that I find appealing and Alex has a lot. And then we try to meet in the middle, right? Where it's like, I typically have very like simple, I like simple businesses and like low complexity. Give me an example. Acquisition.com. <laughs> okay, but like a, a more granular, like what is an example of, of you know, that's not acquisition.com, that's a simple business. Is it like owning a... Storage unit facility? Yeah, it could be owning a storage unit facility. Yeah. It could be owning, you know, uh, a few hair salons. It could be anything that's very straightforward. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's complicated. It doesn't have, you don't need any genius skill sets to make it work. Yeah. I mean, like sense. in the food business, you have a certain, the clock is ticking against the food because it goes bad and it spoils. You have, there's yeah, a I lot don't, of I loss. Like food. Yeah. Right. Right. I would say like anything that's boring. It's like people hear it and it's like not sexy. It's not exciting, right? Brick and mortar businesses for the most part. Service oh, that businesses. You like. Okay. Yeah, I like those. Um, Laundry mats? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, sure, that's a little small in terms of like revenue. But but those I find appealing because I think to win those, you win by having a better team. Yeah. Right. Sidebar, have you ever thought about the efficiencies of some of these boring businesses? Like it triggered my brain for a second to think about laundromat. Uh, I have... Washing, washing machine and dryer at my house now. I'm at that stage of my life. But at one point I had to use laundry mats and it was, just seemed like such a waste of time. Wouldn't it be cool to have like a gym and a laundry mat put together or like a movie theater and a laundry? You ever thought about these things? You know, I heard what they're coming out with is something similar, but a little different, yeah. which is like a facility where, you know how you like, you've got the dentist you have to go to once a year. You've got the doctor, you've got to go. They're building like places where you basically have like all of those in one building. And in one day you go... Oh, so it's kind of similar, different concept though. Yeah, I'm an idea guy. So I have a lot of, my brain thinks this way. It's like, we need to make this better, more efficient, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. So I think in terms of how we do things now, Alex and I always, it, it's- Wait, so he doesn't like boring businesses or he does? Because boring, as another word for boring is like stable, low maintenance, low risk. I think that his natural proclivity is towards more exciting businesses, but mm -hmm. with, in his mind, it's something that's low risk because he is- skilled in the area that would be the risk. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's he talked about information arbitrage all the time and maybe he just knows everything about that and so therefore it's easy. So give us an example of something that excites him or lights him up that maybe is not that easy. Yeah, so he had the idea for a business where you essentially attach to the back of every YouTuber and you create their back end. 
So you, all these YouTube people, you know, all these people on YouTube, I'm on YouTube, they have, they're great at marketing, but they have no monetization vehicle behind them. And so he had the idea of basically building monetization vehicles for all these people and then taking a piece of the company for that. Creating a funnel for them for other opportunities. Right, which to a lot of people that would look like hard because it's like creating a monetization or a mousetrap and getting like monetizing correctly is usually what most people get wrong. For him, like, he's very skilled there. So he's like, that looks easy. Yeah, I got yeah. this. Yeah. But yeah. did you kibosh it or? Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I think it's yucky because I look at it like this, which is the the likelihood that the YouTuber would be dissatisfied with the way that we want to monetize is so high. The likelihood that could we coerce them into saying, yes, I will create this as my back end because they respect Alex and look up to him. Yeah. Yes, we could get them to say yes one time. Yeah. Could it's, we get them to continuously be loyal and push the product? Probably not if they don't absolutely love it and it wasn't theirs. Uh, this is a SaaS product we're talking about probably, right? Mm, it could be anything. It could be like a portal, it could be selling information, it could be a course they built. Okay. I mean, it could be SaaS, it could be product, like ARAC sells Pizzafy, you know, it could be anything. But it's basically like a way to monetize their following. Yeah. But do you think the risk of customer satisfaction is high or or it's probable the probability is low and therefore you think it's a bad idea yes because i think of most things in the business in terms of like reputation because i think mm -hmm. reputation is the end all be all of a business now we're back to brand i love it yeah so it's it's how can we build a business in which way in a way where when we do business with the customers or the partners or whomever it is that it builds the brand doesn't detract from the brand yeah, they become your champion, your advocates. Yeah, they and I think the more complicated the business and the more that you do on behalf for somebody else, the more you leave margin of error where they could, their expectations could be mismatched and they could not like what you've given them. So like the more a, done for, a business is done for you and especially a customized done for you business, I mean, those businesses have such, for the most part, it's like the reason Gym Launch was successful is because we did a lot for them, but it was for the same kind of business over and over again. Mm -hmm. So we got really good at doing it for a certain kind of business. The reason that a custom done for you agency is so often going to fail is because you're doing a large amount of work on someone else's behalf for their business and it's custom to them. And so you're not an expert at it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like those. I don't want to play a game where I think I'm going to fail. I yeah. think that there's enough complexity in business as is like to scale a business is hard. Let's not make it any harder by picking something that's inherently by nature of the product already hard. At least yeah. that's the way I see it. Yeah, I just want to go back to this this partnership that you guys have that's so dynamic and seems to be so working so well. Uh, and just point out some subtle things again, which is you kind of burst this bubble. You shot down his idea, but he has enough respect in you to trust your judgment. And so he probably... I mean, does he give pushback and you like, are you guys like wrestling metaphorically about different ideas? And then is it like, you have to have a unanimous decision for it to go forward? Or is it like, okay, Alex, I'll let you try that, but I don't like it. I don't love it. No, it's very much, we beat ideas up together. Right. Before we were to pursue something. So this is what I'm getting at is this mutual respect for each other's judgment and skill set. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think. But how we communicate that has been the last seven years of, of learning, yeah. which is typically, I think it, it's learning to respect one another's strengths and not try to change one another. Because I think you know, we were talking about this the other day with each other is like, anytime you have somebody who's really good at something, they also usually have a pretty strong deficit on the other side. And it's like to wish their deficit away is to wish away their strength. Right. And so I think 
for the two of us, we've accepted each other's deficits and almost find them endearing. Mm -hmm. And so what is your deficit? I am not the most flexible person. Okay. So once you get into an idea, you, you dig your heels in and that's, that's the way it should be. Flexible in terms of how I like to do things. Like I like to, in work, I'm extremely efficient, extremely organized. Like I think of the most effective and efficient way to do things at all points in time. Yeah. And I also am very strategic in terms of how is this going to move me forward to what I want and is it going to get in the way of the main thing, right? Yeah. I get that because I'm married to someone like that. Right. Her brain thinks like an algorithm. Yeah. Why didn't you turn down that street? It's like 30 seconds yeah. faster. 100%. That's ridiculous that you're going straight. Well, Right. And so it's like, you know, sometimes I can't help but, you know, Alex say books a meeting. And I'm like, well, why would you put that meeting there? Because if this meeting is right before it, then you're going to need to do this in 15 yeah. minutes in between. And he's like, oh my God, woman, can you stop? Are you good at puzzles? Mm, I don't like puzzles. Okay. But... You might be good at puzzles. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get it though. And Alex is very, his, you know, downside or, you know, the, the deficit is that he tends to always, he tends to think he's right more than not. And so- Is that overconfidence or- is he, is he sort of like overconfident, like assuming things are going to go well or yeah. what is that? Yeah, but it's worked out more than it hasn't. Over-optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and the thing that we've talked about is both of us, those those tendencies we have serve us more than they don't because if they didn't, then we would change. But mm -hmm. him, his overconfidence has led him to more success than it has not, right? Because constantly doubting yourself, I mean, like, that's probably not going to be very helpful. Yeah. Again, um, knowing a little bit about his past, I, f I feel like that's a survival mechanism. I mean, both of you maybe are acting that way, but sure. it serves him well. It serves you well. Yeah. And I think I think that because we have, you know, I would say like complementary strengths and, and weaknesses, that that's why together we make such a good team. Mm -hmm. And because we don't try to change one another. You know what I mean? Like it's like I, we can laugh at each other's, tendencies and yeah. talk about them openly and yeah. not fight about it. Yeah. Well, and also at the end of the day, when you have consensus or you respect the other person's opinion, I think where people get in trouble, especially if they're in like a business partnership or a romantic relationship and you concede and you're like, well, I think it's a terrible idea, but go ahead. And then when it actually fails, there's the, I told you so, the resentment starts kicking in yeah. and and that's where you start to you know have this wedge being driven between you yeah. and you're divided you're not united yeah we we have done that one time enough to learn that we should not do that again yeah that's it's really hard yeah yeah so you know in terms of coming up like deciding the strategy and the vision of the business we do that together and then you know we kind of divide our alex focuses all on the marketing. Like that's his creative genius. Like obviously I think everyone knows that's what he's known for. And then I focus on the the running of the company, the scaling. And so traditionally, like we're both founders. If you looked at it from like an org chart standpoint, like we don't name ourselves this, but he would be CMO, I would be CEO. Mm -hmm. If you look from like a traditional standpoint. Yeah. I just feel like that's a very limiting on, on both ends because there's so much crossover and it's not like Neither of us know anything about the other persons. I mean, obviously, if you work with each other all day, like you could pick up things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this series is called Behind the Brand. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about brands. We did a little bit. What is the Layla Hormozy brand? Or maybe should we say what's the Hormozy brand? Because is it now, you know, is it complete or is there a Layla brand and an Alex brand? Like, yeah, maybe break it down. I think that obviously we have our brand together because like when Alex and I met, like we, we have so many similarities that I think 
we just had when we met that it's kind of, it's it's weird cuz most people don't have that i think so there is like our brand together as a couple that we put out there yeah. as business people what whatever you want to call it how right? do you describe it forceful okay i don't know powerful i would say powerful i think another word would be we want to represent excellence or greatness candorous character high integrity that's what i think of i can't help but notice you are always pretty well dressed and he is in jean shorts and flannels do you have any say on like you know the look of his brand or is that is that the brand that's him yeah <laughs> that's just him the uh, nose strip the breathable strips the whole thing it's i mean that's part of why i love him so much is like when i met him he just like never has given a f about what anybody else thinks yeah including me which i like you know yeah. i like that kind of confidence because you can't help but start to be a little bit more like that yourself when you're around somebody like that. So so it's not deliberate. He, that's just what is in his drawer and what he feels comfortable. Alex doesn't want to think about what he's wearing every day. And so he finds, I mean, he'll buy 40 pairs of shorts to pick the one that fits the exact perfect way, that fits his phone perfectly in the pocket, that has the right kind of drawstring that can also be worn to swim and you don't need to wash every okay, day. We're back to the efficiency thing. Remember I told you, like he thinks about efficiency. Yeah. Dating you and interviewing for the job. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I tend to be very efficient in the workplace, but when it comes to out of work, like I, I still like very like girly, like I like shopping and I like clothes and I like dressing nicely. Well, and see, now I see that in you because you're the salesperson, you know, and and how you look matters in the eyes of the potential client. And so maybe that's baked in there a little bit, like the professionalism or the... Yeah, I mean, I think it just, it matters to me, you know? Like, I think I like to take care of myself and I don't... All the things that though they take time, I guess I've decided they matter to me mm -hmm. enough to take my time. Yeah. And yeah. I just like it, so. You've come, you've come a ways from where you were. What is something right now that you need that you don't have business-wise in terms of skills no i mean I, I feel like you guys are constantly casting in the net i feel like that's what your whole marketing activity is about you starting the podcast so correct me if i'm wrong but all of these efforts to put out content to drop wisdom all of this is an an effort to bring people back in cast this net out to catch potential acquisition.com companies companies mm -hmm. right so i guess what i'm asking is you're casting nets right to continue to to fill you know the the buckets but mm -hmm. like what is something you guys don't have business asset wise or or otherwise that you wish you had i mean all all along the way it seems like you've been filling up i mean we were talking off camera about your media team you know it started probably yeah. with one person Caleb right and yeah. then Caleb started building the team and now you've got eight, 10, and now that's going to scale up to however big you want to go. Mm -hmm. That was something you didn't have before that you know, you now yeah. have. Along those lines, what's, let's look forward a little bit. What's something you need? I think very soon we're going to need legal on our team. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just because of, we are, you know, we've been taking, we were taking smaller pieces of companies and then bigger, and then now it's, you know, still minority. 
However, some of them were taking up to 50%. Yeah, I was going to say small. Is that 5 to 20 points? or In the beginning, it was like 10 to 20. And now the standard minimum would be 25. But more often than not, you know, 33. And then more as of recently, 49 to 51. Mm, okay. Depending on the business. And even of some of our already, you know, investments that we've been invested in for the last couple of years, further investing into those businesses because maybe the founder wants cash out. Maybe, you know, we we have confidence in the business. We've now put a team in place there and we feel confident in the business enough to, you know, invest further into it. So, yeah. so is that because you want more control to be able to manage your investment and your, your liability and all that? It's It's kind of two sides to it. So if we have a good business and it's going well and we have a good partnership and that person after two years of working with us is like, I want my payday, right? Like they need to take some chips off the table. Who's better to invest in it further than us? We already know right. the business. I mean, right. there's no better investment for us than to further invest in that business. I also get the sense though, that as you get into this business and you realize that it's a good business, you're almost a, kind of like, just get out of our way because we can do it better. <laughs> it goes back to that confidence. And it's not bragging. It's yeah. not arrogance. This is what I'll tell you though, is that this is all done. Everything that we do with these businesses is through influence, not authority. It is 100% because they respect Alex and I. However, sometimes we don't pick well. And when you don't pick well and somebody maybe disagrees with all of your decisions, then in those cases, yeah, I would like to have more authority to make sure the business doesn't go under or right. you know something to that extent. Yeah, because you're taking our money down with you. Right, but in most cases, that's not the case. It's just that if we're going to, the amount of resources that we've built at acquisition.com is more than any private equity firm I know of. The private equity firm that bought our last company doesn't do as much as we do for companies. And so I actually feel like I have built a company that is suitable to take more percentage of them and to take more control. Yeah. And we're overskilled for the amount, for the percent of investment we're taking in some of the companies or did in the past. Yeah. And so it almost just feels like we're matching better this time. Yeah. You know, we're taking a bigger percentage because we have the infrastructure to do so and we provide the value. Yeah. We've been talking around it a little bit. So what exactly are you doing for these companies? So what do you bring to the table? It's a little bit different with every company because obviously we've been growing and so it kind of changes along the way. Yeah. I would say that it's a, a few different levels of assistance. So the biggest is like there's who, what, and how, right? So who is we recruit their leadership team. So okay. we have an in-house recruiting function. And so we recruit all of the leadership for all of our portfolio companies. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's because that's what I, that's, what I love. I love recruiting. I love getting the right people. Like that's my thing. So yeah, I was going to say that's probably all you, right? It's it's I well, I have my director of people because I was doing it and you can't do that and run the company. But yeah, but you she's amazing. You so. probably have them come in, have their palms up, and then you like hold their wrists and you probably get a vibe check and you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of I like interviewing. So like I like interviewing to put leaders in and, and yeah. to do that. Are you seeing more female leadership in place or is it male or is it pretty equally skewed or what? I seeing? think it's always been equally skewed in my businesses because it's me and Alex. So I think- You want to make sure that there's equality. Yeah, it's been unintentional. It's just always, I've just never, it just, it's, you know, sometimes I think I'm going to get a female candidate, it's a male candidate. Sometimes I think I'm going to get a male candidate, it's a female candidate. So I just, I've just never aimed for that. It's just always happened. I think it's actually more that we attract both. You know, if it was yeah. a male-led organization and there was no other female C-level you know, person on the team, right. more men would apply. I know a lot of women apply to work at our company because I'm the CEO. 
Yeah. I was but then say, Alex is also a figurehead, so you get equal. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're both alphas, right? It's a little bit intimidating. And so if you're an alpha female, that's going to be just fine because you you can have mutual respect. But you know, if you look at Alex's face and brand, it's very alpha and yeah. very, you know, big beard. Yeah. Tank tank top, you know, that that's yeah. a certain kind of a certain aura. Yeah. Yeah. But to know that you guys are united like this, I think it it works because yeah, I mean, if you know what really goes on, there's that yin and yang, there's that, you know, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's the who, then there's the what, which is we help, we essentially will only invest in businesses where we see that their strategy is off. So we see that- Oh, we, it's already broken. Well, it's either, it's not broken. It's 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 10% away. Okay. And we happen to know which which direction to take it from that 10% or- it's a company that could benefit from our network in the portfolio or our brand. Okay. So give me an give example. you the three examples, right? First one strategy is off. You know, we may find a business that, for example, one of our businesses, the guy was teaching people how to open photography studios and they were able to open these photography studios for, you know, very little money down, maybe $10,000, $15,000. And they were able to make in their first year, hundreds of thousands of dollars, like $250,000 on average. And he's selling this for like $2,000 to people online as like a, almost like an information, like a business opportunity. Hmm. And we're like, we should turn that into a licensing business. Yeah. And so, you know, we, that was one of our first businesses. We turned it into a licensing business. They now have about 40 some locations that are, it, it's basically operated by the licensees and it's worth, I can, I can tell you because it was audited, it was worth like over 60 million now. So taking a business that was just selling information for $2,000, you know, it's the same skill set, and then we can take it and put it into a better opportunity vehicle. Yeah, you built a ratchet. So it's like, I mean, they are forever, they're grateful that we own a percent of the business. Like they're happy to have us there. They yeah, don't, they they don't want have, it back. They couldn't have got there without you. Right. Yeah. And, and so the thing that Alex and I are very disciplined in is like, we're not going to take on a business where we don't think that we can provide outsized value. Right. That's so, just not our brand. So, the, you know, uh, saying, hey, I want 51%, it's not an unfair, you're not like grinding them. No, because you're saying, we would take 51% of a business that we also knew that if we talked about it on our channels, it would blow the business up. Right. And they could handle it because it's not a service business. It might be an e-commerce business. It might be a SaaS business and they could handle the inflow. Yeah. We might take advantage of a business that it's a sales organization and they recruit salespeople and fill and fill companies with sales teams, right? Okay, well, so hold, pause. I'm not, I'm not hearing, maybe I'm missing it. I'm not hearing you selling via your channels. I'm not hearing you like pitching stuff. I mean, you're giving, you're dropping wisdom. You're giving, 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 yeah. giving. So how are you, how are you promoting these companies through your channels? What does that mean? We haven't yet. Okay. So what Alex and I agreed upon is that we would not promote a business that one, we didn't own 50% of. Two, we didn't absolutely believe in the product. And three, the business would not, wouldn't be able to sustain the inflow because we know right. based on our metrics of impressions and how many people- You could break we do, It would break, yeah. right. So what does that look like when you eventually do it? Is it like this episode is brought to you by the photography studio license, blah, 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 or is it like- I think it's more, one is we we thought about doing basically because at some point we're going to be doing essentially like mix of the shark take and profit type show where we feature businesses. 
and we break them down, redo their strategy, kind of things like that, just to show people because it'd be interesting. It would be interesting. Yeah. You, you know that I've, I helped build Kevin O'Leary's YouTube channel. Oh, I think you mentioned that when I met you the first time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I got to sit in on many, 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 many episodes of the show and see that behind the scenes. So wait, you guys are thinking about doing mm -hmm. like to show people what it looks like or just like yes. behind the scenes? Okay. To show people. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and it would be fun. So that's partially why we need the studio and the office and all those things. Okay. So this is new. I like it. It's it's been there. It's just it, you know, it takes time. Well, um, I haven't heard about it. So this is this okay. is new to me. So there you go. Amazing. Okay. And then, you know, one one side is we can feature the businesses there and show how the whole business works and explain everything. So smart. And they can decide if they want like we're never gonna try and like sell something. And the other one is just that we could bring them on and interview them as guests. Like it's very, none of it is in a salesy manner because the thing is, is that I think, you know, nowadays, if somebody wants to buy something and they see a company on a show, they go to Google, they Google it. And if they want to buy it, they do. Right. And if we are going to even have someone on any of our channels, it's because we believe in the company and we know they're a good company. And we would like to maintain that by being very selective of who we bring on. Yeah. Now that you said the vision for it, yeah. I completely get it. Yeah. And I think it is an incredible idea. Yeah. So that's what it looks like. The third piece to what we do with the companies is the how, which is we have a team of subject matter experts, mm -hmm. marketing, sales, CRO, HR, finance. Yeah. So once we determine the strategy for what do we need to change about in general of the company, like what's the company want to become? Let's talk about the three year, the one year, the this year. And then, okay, cool. Then it's like, how do I do that? And oftentimes they have a skill deficit and they don't have the people on the team yet. You know, we're going to recruit them, but it takes time. We don't want to break them by adding seven people at once. Yeah. So we have, you know, subject matter experts or consultants that come in and they'll work on projects with the founders in the company or with their leadership team to make sure that the strategy gets implemented correctly. So it's as needed implementation help. And that's not typically something that much PE or conglomerates, because we're more of like a conglomerate, not PE, but it's not something that you typically see. And it's something that we feel is important to acquisition.com because the reason people want to work with us is because we help them. You know, yeah. a lot of people, because we're giving them money, right? But I mean, honestly, you're just, you've taken a page from the Shark Tank playbook. I mean, this is what, this is what the sharks are doing. You know this, right? No. I don't know. This is what they're I've doing. I've watched the show. I don't know what they do after. This is what they're doing. And, and you know, I've seen behind the scenes too. And, and I've sat next to the attorney who's negotiating the deals after they've already said, you know, we, you know, you got the deal. They go back and they talk about it with the business owner and say, listen, I know that we just agreed to this, but like, if you give us 51% of your company, you're going to be out of business in three years. So let's restructure the deal to make it more fair for you huh. because we don't want to be... You know, we don't want to take over what you're doing. We want to help support you and augment and, you know, lend you media support or yeah. you can borrow our being famous or whatever. So they'll they'll often restructure a deal. That's so cool. it's yeah. So it's more fair. You know, there are times when they are greedy or, you know, very sharp with their negotiation, like, you know, Kevin always wants a royalty, blah, blah, blah. But he'll lend out money too at a certain percentage. But yeah. You're 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 playing by that same playbook. I think it's very smart. Hmm. It's what we like doing. Yeah, I, also, I enjoy it. You know, also doing as Rob Deerdeck's doing that. Do you know Rob? He's a former MTV guy. 
His he name had, is so familiar. He's a skateboarder. He was on that uh, MTV show, Ridiculousness. Oh, so bad with names. He had a show, Robin Big, back in the- Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. He's in Beverly Hills doing that same thing. So anyway, smart. I get it now. I totally, I see the vision. Cool. Yeah, that's it. So good. And so we just want to do that with as many good companies as possible. All this is super valuable and fascinating just to see a little bit. I mean, that's what the show is about really is to pull back the curtain behind the curtain, right? And reveal, you know, the people who are really doing it, yeah, right? And how they do it and why they do it and kind of getting in your brain a little bit about the process. It totally crystallized for me when you said that you're planning to do this. Because I was thinking, how are you, I mean, I know how like Kendall Jenner will, or, or you know, someone famous will promote their brand. They'll do a brand deal or they'll create their own line and then use their fame to promote it. But that's not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a totally different avenue. Yeah. Okay. We'll see if it works. Final parting words for founders, CEOs, advice. Go. Talent is strategy. Like I thoroughly believe that. I just made a video on this. People don't beat their competitors by being smarter with their strategy. In fact, only one out of three strategies that a company sets out to do are actually executed. And the difference between the ones who are at one third versus those that can raise that to 78% is people. And so I've talked about it for years and I think it, it's often said like, oh, it's the soft stuff and it's less, that matters less than the marketing and the strategy and the, all that, it doesn't though. It is the most important thing. And I think first and foremost, companies that scale are companies where the founders care. And I think that can be felt through an organization. If you care about the people, if you prioritize them, if you take care of them, if you do right by them, if you actually, you know, enroll people and, and you know, if you bring people in and genuinely show concern for what they think, what they feel and their opinions, then I think you're golden. And I think it, we're coming to a, a day and age where compensation and benefits is no longer, you're not, everyone can compete there. You know what I mean? And it's not what people are interested in, especially this up and coming generation. They're not interested in that as much as they are learning, autonomy, you know, culture. Like those are the things impact. that are, yeah, impact. And so I think like in all the time that I've been doing this, like it just always comes back around to the same thing. And I think that as the CEO of a company and for everyone out there that's listening that has a company, like we are the ones that get to choose, you know, how people in our company behave and what we teach them and how we run things. And I don't know. I just, I, the reason I like having a business and the reason that I do what I do is because I genuinely want to create a place where people want to come to work every day. They want to like what they do. They love their job because I've had jobs I hate and it was the worst. And I want to help other founders do that too. And I can tell you out of the hundreds of businesses and thousands of businesses that I've looked at the insides and done due diligence on, the businesses that will win are the ones where people actually genuinely and it makes a big difference. And the ones that don't eventually implode. So I just don't think you can manufacture that. <laughs>